Well, I told you last week, I think, or the week before, that uh, through Advent, each week I was going to give out a Bible, and, and they're nice Bibles. They're not just like El Cheapo Bibles. They're really nice. Of course, I don't think there are any El Cheapo Bibles anymore. They've gotten so expensive. This one, and it is the uh, NLT, the New Living Translation, it, it's the Life Application Study Bible. And I was praying, you know, I just asked Pastor Barb, I said, Lord, show me who to give this to. I asked her, and she named somebody. And then as I was coming up, I just, can I share what God gave me for you? You. You. Troy. Troy, you. All right. So I just felt like the Lord had said he's given him five stones now he needs to take out the giant. All right? And as I was coming up, the Lord said, this is one of the giants, or one of the stones, I'm sorry. So this is yours, Troy. Use it. Use it to take that enemy out. So I have three more each week. And they're, they're not all that one. I have one more of those too, but uh, you'll have to let me know how you like that. So, what do you do on a morning like this? Wow, I mean, I'm just like, woo, man, this is amazing. And for me to come up now, I, I feel like, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Now I see why you're always smiling, Clarence. You walk in that anointing. God is so faithful. He is so good. Today's message, if, if I actually get to it, and I'm hoping I do, but you know, I'm just trying to be sensitive here. Today's message is, is, is all about hope. Advent, the first candle is the hope of glory. And you'll understand why that's the hope of glory as I conclude today's message. Last week, I talked about the Old Testament. I talked about the prophecies that predicted God was sending a Savior. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. That name above all names. You see, he knew that without help, we would never be able to be restored to him. But because of Jesus, through his blood, his shed blood, you and I are forgiven of our sins our whole future has changed as a result of God's Son. That's the truth. That's the Bible. That's what that book says, if you read it. We concluded last week's message as we read about a, a bunch of sheep herders. They'd been told by the angels of heaven that the Messiah, the King of Kings, was in a little town called Bethlehem. And the star gloriously shone over his resting spot. Let me ask you, have you ever wondered why those lowly shepherds, why? Why did God pick them? He didn't go to the kings. 
He didn't go to the people of nobility. He didn't go to the artsy community, the, the super intellectual community, the philosophers of the day. He didn't go to the rich. He went to the shepherds out in the field. Hmm. Why were they the first ones to welcome the Lord into this world? You ever think of that? Because he was humble. Jesus came as a humble king. <laughs> and he came for humble, humble people. The little guys. The broken. The needy. The poor. How many can say, that's me? <laughs> Maybe all of them. The shepherds were the kinds of people that Jesus came to seek and to save. Can I hear an amen? And later, after Jesus had grown up, he started his ministry, he spoke of how the King of kings and Lord of lords would relate to his people. And he used this analogy, and it just happened to be sheep herders and sheep and sheep sheep I can't even say it sheep herders and sheep and guess who the sheep were us poke your neighbor and say man we're the sheep now you listen to this you may think sheep herders are on the low how much lower are the sheep? Stinky vermin that they were. Right? And not all that intelligent. Now listen, I'm not saying you're stupid. Jesus said that. I'm kidding. Sort of. But we are, we are related to sheep. And I believe it's because somebody needs to lead us. We need leading. Because if, if somebody doesn't lead us, guess where we go? All the wrong places, off the cliff at times. So as we start to read the Scriptures, I want to start with John 10. I'm going to begin with verse 7, and this is the New King James here, just for a minute. Yeah, whatever. Max up here going, Wow. John 10. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, what's that mean? <laughs> it's pretty much going to happen, right? I say to you, what? I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door of the sheep. Hello? Jesus is the door. What does that mean to you? There's no other way. And I'm going to actually share that scripture in just a minute. But for right now, just recognize Jesus is the door. All right? All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Huh. Who is he talking about? The Pharisees? The people that didn't have a clue that, that loaded the people up with all kinds of laws and rituals? But none of them saved the people. 
But the sheep, he said, didn't hear them. All right? And then he says, I am the door. (laughs) I love it. The door to what? To heaven. He is the door to heaven. You want to know how to get to heaven? Where do you go? To the door. To Jesus. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find what? What's pasture? What is pasture? What, what, what was the grass? Nourishment. It would feed them. They would never be hungry. You still with me? And then we hear this one. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the devil's job. You know, as we look around us today, we see all kinds of hurting people, and they're all making these accusations. Why, why would God let this happen? Why would God let that happen? It's this guy. All right? It's the thief. It's the devil. It's the underhanded one. The father of all lies. And I'm going to stop there. And then Jesus said, and I did this in red, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Before Jesus, not so much life. After Jesus, not just life, but abundant life. So get that into your spirit. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning, eyes to see our own lives, I pray that you'd even put blinders on us so we're not looking at our neighbor, we're not thinking of our husband, we're not thinking of our wife or our children, we're thinking of us. My relationship with you, that's what needs to change. That's what you want to work on this morning. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. And Holy Spirit, and if you would agree with me on this, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Would you say that? Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I give you permission, say that, I give you permission to speak to me, to speak life into me, in Jesus' name. You know, God won't do anything without your permission. Nothing. But when you give him permission, and if you're not lying to him, if you're being truthful, he'll rock your boat. Are you ready to have your boat rocked? Woohoo! So Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Now hear this part. It doesn't matter, and this is so important, and I, I probably should have put more emphasis here. It doesn't matter what circumstances you face on this earth. A person's life isn't good just because he or she never has to face difficult or bad situations. Are you with me? Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Don't ever think that, you know what, that person, nothing ever goes wrong for them. They're really blessed. Nah. No. Where'd you get that nonsense from? The Bible I read, the New Testament I read, even Jesus himself was crucified for crying out loud. They pounded thorns on his head, they whipped him. You think his life was just a bowl of cherries? Come on. We're not any different. We follow him. He is the great shepherd. We are the sheep. 
And we're going to go through stuff. This land is cursed. It wasn't that way in the beginning, but it became cursed. Thanks to the bad guy, the father of all lies. Thanks to our forefathers and mothers, Adam and Eve. And because of that, today, we face all kinds of atrocities. But God brought us the remedy. Jesus. 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 So this is the part I want you to catch. A good life, say this with me, a good life comes from knowing that you know the one who gives life. A good life comes from knowing that you know the one who gives life. Who do you think we're talking about there? Jesus. None other. The good shepherd, Jesus. If you know him, if you know all about him, your life is going to be good. And that doesn't mean the circumstances you're in right now at this very moment are good. It doesn't mean that. But you serve the Master, and He's going to get you to the other side. And when we get there, you're going to wear a victor's crown. And He's going to look at you, and He's going to say, remember when you went through that? I was with you, but you, did, you done did good. You done did good. Because you didn't give up. You had hope. We're going to talk about hope here today, but I want to get through the rest of this passage. We have life thanks to Jesus. Now watch this next part. We talked about all the prophecies that predicted Jesus coming, but here Jesus is predicting his own death. And, you know, this had to be hard. Let's face it. If you knew you were going to have to die for your family, would that be difficult? Duh. So here we go. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Everybody say that. He is a good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's trying to tell us something here. He loves you so much. That even though he knew what he had to do, he knew what was coming, he still did it. Because of his great love for us. His sheep. I don't get it. I don't get it. A bunch of stinky sheep. The king of the universe gave his life for us. Think about that. And then he talks about the other guy. But a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and what's he do? He leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. I might add, he probably eats a few of them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. So a hireling might bail on you. A pastor might bail on you. It happens all the time. Jesus will never bail on you. You can bank on that. He'll never leave you in the lurch. This next verse, I am the good shepherd. There it is again. Can you say that? He is the good shepherd. Which also tells us what? There are bad shepherds. Shouldn't surprise us when somebody goes off the deep end in ministry. Shouldn't surprise us at all. 
It's a fact of life. We're all broken, even the clergy. I know my sheep. That's my red emphasis. I know my sheep and what? And am known by my own. What does that say to you? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know his love? Do you really know how much he cares about you? Or is it just, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I know. He loves me. (laughs) When you realize how much God loves you, it should inspire you. It should put a conviction in you to live for Him, to love Him back. Does it for you? Do you know Him? As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And he's talking here about you and me. He came for the Jews. But he also came for the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And that's who we are. We're the other ones here that he's talking about. Not of his fold. Them also, he said, I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Listen, I'm not geeked about the fact there are over 300,000 different denominations. We should be one church. We should work together. We should love together. Pray for one another. Maybe there is a different sign out in front of these buildings, but we all serve the same Jesus. That's what binds us together. That's what makes us the church, capital C. Don't ever forget that when you start murmuring about another church or picking on another pastor. Maybe you pick on me. I don't know. Watch it. I mean that. I'm not saying that in jest. Watch who you pick on. Because you're picking on your own body, brother, sister. When you start mouthing off about a neighbor, you're picking on your own. It'd be like poking yourself with the needle. Because we're all a part of the same body of Jesus Christ. That wasn't in my notes. So all this talk about sheep and shepherds and laying down his life for his sheep, what, what does all of this mean? Jesus is the good shepherd. He gave his life for his sheep. He gave his life for you and me. So as we enter this first week of Advent, and we light a candle every week, and I, I postponed it to this point today, Today we're going to light the, one of the purple candles and it represents hope. The hope. The hope. What is the hope?
to hope. <laughs> I know it's just a silly purple candle, but that represents what he's given us. What is hope? Hope to trust in, to wait for, to look for, to desire something or someone, or to expect some benefit from the future. As Hebrews 11.1 1 says, hope, I'm sorry, faith is a, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, future tense. Hope. Do you trust him with your life, with your all in all? When we figure out that we can't survive this world without God's help, that's when we begin to lean on him and trust in him. Quickly, I had a scripture here from, and, and you'll figure out why I shared this. He's talking to the, the people of Mars Hill. He's trying to explain to them who God is. He's the unknown God. And he says this, he says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Are you with me? Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. I should have said that together. He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs, right? He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. So how many here have a need? All right. Who can satisfy that need? Jesus. Then in verse 26 and following, from one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Listen to this part. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And when I read that part, I thought, have you ever been around a person that's blind? Yeah, I know some of you are sitting next to him now, right? One of the ladies that we used to help out on occasion, not here, but some, in another place that we ministered, she couldn't see, and, and so you didn't want to move anything, because if you did, she would trip over it. But generally, when she went in the kitchen to cook, she would do this to feel her way along the counter and then she would find certain things and you had to put the eggs in one spot in the fridge and everything you know everything had its place because obviously if she went to grab something and it was an egg it oops that wasn't the jello <coughs> feeling your way around so what is God saying to us this world in this world we're blind he wants us to find him, to feel our way until we reach him. And listen, once, once we find him, and this was cool because when we used to help this lady, she would take my arm if we were going somewhere and, and, and she would let me lead. She trusted me to do that. Because I would, oh, there's a step right here, be careful. And, and we would figure that part out, right? She also had a one of those things, the cane, but that's how we are with God. He wants us 
to find him, to seek after him, to feel him out. That's also a sign of intimacy. He wants you to be intimate with him. And this last verse, verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. Some of the versions say, and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. What are offspring? We're his children. We are his children. In him we live and move and have our being. Can you say that with me? In him we live and move and have our being. In him. He is the hope of the world. He is the giver of life. And if you seek him, you'll find him. Billy Graham once said, what is heaven going to be like? Just as there is a mystery to hell, so there is a mystery to heaven. Yet I believe, he said, the Bible teaches both are a literal place. I've heard preachers that don't believe that anymore. He said, I'm not worried about where they are, the places, because I know where Jesus is, and he told me to meet him there. Are you with me? Do you get what he's saying? If you find the Son and put your trust in him, then you found heaven, you found eternal life, you found the treasure, the great pearl, you found abundant life, you found joy, strength, peace, patience, love, etc., etc., etc. Maybe you've heard this before. There's a story that was told. Years ago, there was a very wealthy man, and he and his son devoted themselves to collecting art. They had a real passion for it. Together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of their family estate. The widowed father looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. How many of you love it when your son or daughter follows in your own footsteps? Amen. But the day came when golf, I'm sorry, when war engulfed their nation, and the young man had to leave to serve his country, as so often we find. And after only a few weeks, his father received a telegram that said, his son had been killed while saving another. On Christmas morning, a knock came at his door. The old man opened it, and there he was greeted by a young man with a big package in his arm. He said, Sir, you don't know me, but I'm the one that your son saved in battle. He helped carry me off the battlefield where he was killed in turn. May I come in and have a few moments of your time? I'd like to show you something. He said, sir, I am an artist of sorts. And he said, I want to give you this. The man graciously took the package that had been so carefully wrapped. And as he tore the paper off, he realized it was a picture of his son 
It wasn't any kind of picture that the artist would go, oh, look at that wonderful portrait. But it had a very defining likeness to his son's face, and it showed his personality and his character in some detail. The following spring, the old man became ill, and he eventually passed away. The art world was in great anticipation. According to the will of the old man, all of the art pieces in his estate would be auctioned off. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from all around the world came to purchase his art collection. The auction began with a painting, though, that was not on the museum's list. Can you guess what the painting was? It was a painting of his son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Who will give $100 for this picture? The room was silent. Someone here must be willing to give $100. And someone from the back callously said, We didn't come here to buy a picture of this old man's son. Let's get on with the real auction. Eventually, an old friend of the, the old man said, I knew him, I knew his son, I'll give you $100. The auctioneer said, anyone else, anyone want to bid higher? The room again was silent. Going once, going twice, sold for $100 as the gavel came down. The man started putting his paperwork away and the people in the room looked at him and said, okay, let's get on with it. Now we can finally get on with what we came to do. We want to look at those other paintings. We want to bid on those. And the man said, oh, I'm sorry. This auction is closed. And they said, what? We came here not to see some old man's son. We came here to buy one of those expensive uh, pictures, one of those paintings from Van Gogh or Monet. What do you mean it's over? I I demand, sir, you tell me. What is this all about? And the auctioneer looked at them and he said, in the old man's will it said, whoever buys the son gets it all. You clap, but that's how it is in the kingdom of heaven. You should rejoice. That's our hope. Whoever buys the Son gets it all. We're talking about Jesus, none other. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. That's what Christmas is all about. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. Oh, Lord. We live in a messed up, sin-torn world. But it isn't always going to be this way. Those who hear the shepherd's voice, for the sheep that learn to follow that voice, they will be led to green pastures where there is no sin, death, or persecution, Jesus is the hope. (laughs) 
Are you ready for the next life? Put your trust in Jesus. He's the door that's been opened for us. There's no other door that's going to open. People are looking for other doors to open, and it's like, only the one. Oh, come on, pastor. Only one door? Yes. Yes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It can't get any clearer than that. He is the shepherd. His sheep will go through him. Hope can only be found in Jesus. Listen to this. Your stuff won't save you. Your family will eventually let you down. How many know that? Already been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. Your friends, they too will disappear. I can't tell you how many I started with. I don't think it's because I'm such a, a cursed old man that they've all left. But, you know, friends from years ago, I don't, I don't even know where they're at anymore. There's only one true anchor point that's certain. And that's believing in the one, God's Son, Jesus Christ. But for many, they become so worried that they're going to miss something. That they forget to live and to love in the moment that they were given. We're always looking for something else instead of enjoying where we're at. We could strive for more and more and more, but eventually we've got to resign to this fact that more will never be enough. And if we continually live our lives going after that elusive more, then we're going to end this life sorely disappointed, separated from the one true love who gave himself for you and for me. Do you want more? Go after the one. Find him. Seek him till you find him. You're blind in your sins, but once you find him, he can put the salve, the balm of Gilead on your eyes and he can open them so you can see again. And life will begin to make sense to you again. And love will be so much bigger and better if you'll go after him, the giver of life, the giver of love. So stop looking for more on this earth. And for heaven's sake, stop asking the wrong questions. Why doesn't God help me? Why does God allow evil in the world? Why did my wife, why did my husband leave me? Why did I lose my temper again? Why haven't I won the lottery? I've heard all kinds. I got a helper over here. Instead, start asking the right questions. Who is God? What must I do to be saved? Does God really love me so much that he gave his life for me? Was that really necessary? What does the Bible say about you fill in the blank? See, these are the questions 
that we should ask. They're genuine questions, and God will help you answer them. Get away from the fluff. Get away from the why me and start looking at why him. If you haven't done so, and I'm just about ready to wrap up, go to the Good Shepherd. There's a reason that he calls himself good. You see, if we got what we deserved, <laughs> he'd see that sheep coming and he'd, he'd just light us on fire. You know, wool goes up pretty quick. I've never tried to light a sheep on fire, but I'm guessing. If we got what we deserved, that's what he would do to us. But he's the good shepherd. He loves us with all our flaws, with our brokenness, with our blemishes. Can I get a good amen? Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and then begin to follow Him if you haven't already done this. It's as simple as going through the door. But listen to this. Hope is a verb. You've got to do something with it. It requires action. Listen for His voice. Do things His way. Do them the Bible way. Are you one of those looking for more? Then do these things that I've talked about and you will find treasures that you didn't know existed. Follow the Good Shepherd and you will begin to experience abundant life and peace and love and your name will be written where? In the Lamb's Book of Life. I just realized, in a sense, he became a sheep for a little while. Hmm. It was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He became one of us as a sin offering. And this is where I'm going to close. This is in the Message Bible. I just felt like it brought clarity. Colossians 1, 26 and 27, it says, This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you, therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That's of our message. And I in you the hope of glory. Because He lives in us, we live. His glory shines in you. Would you stand with me this morning? feel like we've already had church. <laughs> I don't know what more he can do here. But this is his. This is his time. Just know that he loves you. Listen, we're, we're entering this Christmas season, and as I said when we started, some of you carry heavy burdens because of lost loved ones. I know this will be the first year that Pastor Barb doesn't have her mom here, and I think of others in this room like Rose, whose son Chad won't be with us, and many others.
And though you're probably going to be disheartened at times, just remember, God loves you. God loved your son. God loved your mom. And somebody said this last night. They said, your mom is up there dancing with the Lord. At Christmas, she's going to be in heaven, having, at the Christmas party in heaven. And I'm just sitting there going, wow, I hadn't thought of that. I'm all gloomy and doomy because mom's not going to be here. And, and, and it hit me. Why would I be gloomy and doomy when she's having a blast? And God has put me here for a reason. There's something that I'm still supposed to do. And it includes sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with others. I don't know what God wants to do with you. Maybe He wants you to lead somebody in your own family to Christ to show them the hope, how to trust in Him, just like you've done. Maybe you yourself just need to keep plugging along, taking one step after another, going after Him, finding your way until you finally come to the point where you say, God, it's you, nothing else. Lord, we thank you again for everything you're doing in this body, this family of believers. As we leave here today, I pray we take the remnant of you with us, Lord, that what you placed on us and in us this morning, this afternoon, Lord, that it would go with us and, and that we would spill over into the lives of others, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, Lord, I pray for a safety hedge of protection around each of us as we travel. Don't know what the roads are like, but just keep us safe. And Lord, I pray that we would carry that hope, the hope of Jesus, with us everywhere we go and share this story. Share what you've done for us. And we look forward to the day when we're in heaven, dancing at the feet of the King with no more weights on us of sin or death or remnants of... Ugh. But until then, keep us, keep us safe. Keep us moving ahead. Help all of us to finish this race. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.